It's not a sin to struggle against depression. The author and finisher of our faith, I'm glad to tell you, did not stay there. He is our example on how to come out of depression into joy. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Depression is one of those giants that can literally paralyze your life. But did you know that Jesus was anointed to take it away? Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series on disarming your giants, where I'm going to be talking about the giant of depression. You know, I've personally known people who could not get out of bed days on end due to their struggle with the giant of depression. Yet it might surprise many of our listeners that one of the purposes Jesus was anointed for is to give beauty for ashes and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I know this battle can be overwhelming, and I'm not going to in any way marginalize or belittle the very real battle good Christian people experience with this awful giant. I want instead to bring some hope that help is available through Jesus Christ. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, Disarming the Giant of Depression. The giant of depression, I really believe, is a spirit. And and I want you to notice that Jesus, it says of Jesus in Isaiah 61, that one of the reasons or one of the manifestations of the anointing that would be on his life would be to give us joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. So clearly Jesus was anointed to lift off of us a depressed spirit, an oppressed spirit, a gloomy spirit, the blues. I don't know why people listen to the blues. I fight the blues enough without listening to it. Amen. Now, I'm going to share some stats with you about depression, and I hope it doesn't depress you, but here they are. Some of these really blew me away. Depression, how real is it, and how much is it coming upon America? Well, nearly 19 million Americans, or about 10% of us, age 18 or over, are going to suffer some form of depression every year, not in life, but in every year, annually. One in 10. I personally believe it's higher because of things I'm reading. But let's just say one in 10. That is 10% of 350 million people are going to deal with depression once a year. Everybody at some time in their life is going to be affected by depression, either by your own or by someone near you. Somebody close to you gets depressed, it's going to affect you. And depression affects a lot of households right now. Now, here's a shocker. This really shocked me. And it made me not depressed, but sad, preschoolers, now we're talking kindergarten, preschoolers are the fastest growing market for antidepressants. Can you imagine saying to little Johnny and little Susie, hey, did you take your antidepressant today? 
but it's happening. Over one million preschoolers are clinically depressed. Now, the Bible says the curse without a cause shall not come. There is a reason for that. And I personally believe it's the direction our nation is going, the way we put God out of the schools, and that's another whole message. But if you take God out of people's lives and give them no hope, no vertical relationship with a transcendent God, it leads to depression. And these children are in homes that are in turmoil, and they have nowhere to turn. So there's one million preschoolers clinically depressed. The annual rate of increase. Think about this. Rate of increase for depression among children is 23%. Depression results in more absenteeism than almost any other physical disorder for employers. It costs employers, that is depression, more than $51 billion per year in absenteeism and lost productivity. Depression is a huge job killer, productivity killer, money killer. All right, that's enough depressing stats. I could have given you a whole lot more, but I was getting depressed reading them. Okay, so let's look at some of the more common causes of depression. Where does depression come from? How do you experience depression? How do you fall prey to it? Well, one way is physical weariness. This is a big one. We just get worn down and worn out. We get tired. We get stressed. We get weary. And we succumb to depression. Remember Elijah when Queen Jezebel sent a message after he had killed all the prophets of Baal and called fire out of heaven? She said, I'm going to do the same thing to you. You did to them. You will be dead by tomorrow night. And Elijah hit the road. He began to run and he ran way into the wilderness. And when he was way deep in the wilderness, he found a juniper tree, got under the juniper tree and said this, prayed this to God is enough. Lord, now take my life. Now, when you're asking God to kill you, newsflash, you're depressed. (laughs) Illness is another reason, particularly prolonged illness of one kind or another. How often when we get sick and we can't seem to get over it, can't seem to get better, and it just lingers and carries on, that we are prone to to isolate and to become depressed about it. David knew exactly what this felt like. And he talked about it in Psalms 88, 15. He said, from the time I was a youth, I have been afflicted and I have been close to death because of the severity of the affliction." He said, I have suffered your terrors, God, and I'm in despair. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. Listen to this depressing statement. The darkness is my closest friend. Another newsflash. If darkness is your closest friend, you're depressed. Okay? Thank God for his his transparency and honesty in the Psalms. Sense of loss can bring depression. As we age, and all of us in here are, aging. Can you say amen or owe me? We're all aging. You're older than you were yesterday. Don't look in the mirror for a week and then look. It's shocking. (sighs) (laughs) Kathy and I were talking and I said, Kathy, what would happen if women could not get to any kind of beautician or makeup or anything for three months? She said, all of you men would be in shock. Lord, don't let persecution come. Don't let it happen. (laughs) Now, as we age, we begin to experience regrets. If only I had this, if only I had that, if I hadn't this, if I hadn't that. 
If I hadn't let this go or that go, or if I'd taken that opportunity instead of this one, it would be different. And you begin to slip into depression over things that you have missed. Your physical vitality isn't the same anymore. You've lost some relationships that you may not be able to get back. And that loss can bring depression. And there's other things like your surroundings. I believe this is very real. Your environment, your circumstances, where you spend most of your time. It can be a a place where you are employed and the people there are godless. They tell dirty jokes, have foul mouths and you have to listen to it and it's gloomy and it's depressing and you deal with it and you struggle with it and you say with Lot that your righteous soul is vexed every day by the filthy conversation of the wicked. And I can understand that. And those of you that are in work environments like that, my heart goes out to you and I pray for you and God is with you there. He'll help you. But even the weather can bring depression. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, who lived in London and pastored in London, used to write, he wrote voluminously about the weather in London, how often the winters were so bitter and always overcast and there was always that ever-present London fog. And he said, As for me, because he was inclined to depression, this great preacher struggled with depression. He had two afflictions, gout and depression. The gout left him in physical pain a great deal, and the depression took him down a lot, where he would actually miss whole church services because he couldn't make it for the gout and depression. And he said, sometimes I have to get in the horse and buggy and leave town and go where the sun is shining because the weather depresses me. Here's another one that'll give you depression, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking will definitely bring you into depression. There are some people, you can't put a smile on their face. They are gloom and doom from head to toe. And if you tell them something good, they're going to make it into something bad in two minutes or less. Ever been around somebody like that? Are you married to somebody like that? Don't look look up here. You married to somebody like that? The way we look at things. The way we view life, the lens out of which we look at circumstances in life can bring depression. Some of us see life only through a negative lens, pessimism. Everything is wrong. We're unhappy about everything. Nothing makes us happy. We're not content with anything. And it vexes you and it vexes the people around you. It's the stinking thinking. The only way to get out of it is to have your mind renewed and admit to God, Lord, I'm sinking through stinking thinking. Now, I just thought of that on the spot. You ought to give God praise for that. I'm sinking through stinking thinking. (laughs) Now, another thing that will give you depression is sin in your life. Listen carefully to me, child of God. The children of God have been born again, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. One thing we cannot do is allow the vertical relationship with God that we have to be broken in any extended way by sin that is unconfessed. Because when we sin and we don't confess it and put it under the blood, it cuts off that vertical relationship and it opens the door for the enemy to come into our life. I think of David who committed terrible sin, awful. Not only the adultery with Bathsheba, but then he orchestrated the heinous death of her husband, Uriah, to cover up his own sin. And do you know that for a whole year, He did not repent. He carried adultery and murder in his heart for a whole year and did not repent. Do you know what that would do to a child of God? He wrote about it. He told us what it did. And you talk about depression. Listen to this. 
Psalms 32, verse 3. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. Groaning all day. The pressure never let up. My strength was dried up as in the hot summertime. I had no strength. I had no peace. I felt like I had some kind of a disease. It was killing me. It was depressing me. But then we know that he finally confessed his sin and was restored to God. And as soon as he was, as soon as he got that vertical relationship right, the joy of the Lord returned. That's why he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord. The joy returned when he got it right. There's one last thing that will bring depression, and that's spiritual warfare. And that is when the enemy tries to put it on you. Now, I'm going to suggest something to you today. The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, a pneuma, a real spirit of fear. So it's a spirit. Fear can be a spirit. And I believe also depression can be. Say, where do you get that? I get it from the Bible. Isaiah 61. Did it not say of Jesus, he would give us the oil of joy for mourning and garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. So sometimes we're in a warfare and the enemy wants us depressed because guess what? Depressed people don't win anybody to Jesus. See, if that's what God did to you, I don't want it. Do you know what the greatest billboard is in the world? A smiling, happy, joyous Christian. That is God's greatest billboard is your face when you're smiling and you have the joy of the Lord. That's a flashing neon billboard. You say, where'd you get all that joy? Why are you so happy? Well, it's the joy of the Lord and it's my strength. Okay? So the enemy comes against us to take away our joy. He will do anything to turn a joyful Christian into a sour one. That's warfare. So now, in light of these things, how do you climb out of the blues in a biblical way? How do you use this book that the Bible says you will know this truth and it will make you free? You will know the truth and it will make you free. He sent his word and healed them, the Bible says. Well, the greatest model that I could find in the whole Bible is the Lord Jesus himself and the way that he came out of depression when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that amazing? Now listen carefully. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was engaged in the greatest spiritual warfare of his life. There's no question in my mind that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the warfare was more intense than it had been in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil before he started his ministry. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's mere hours away from the very reason he came to the earth. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die on the cross. If he didn't die on the cross, we're not here today. We're not redeemed. We're still in our sins. We're lost and going to hell. We're separated from God forever. But because he went on to the cross, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are filled with his spirit. The owner or the mark of ownership is upon us, living within us, the Holy Spirit himself. We are not hell bound, but heaven bound. We have been delivered from death, hell, and the grave. The devil has been defanged. Jesus is coming back one day. And so the battle to keep him from that was intense. Gethsemane was the deciding moment for Jesus. 
Would he be obedient all the way to the cross? Or would he find a way to escape? Out of his own mouth, he told them, I could have called on 12 legions of angels and they would have come and whisked me out of there. But he didn't. But let me tell you something, church. The Bible is abundantly clear that in his struggle, Jesus was depressed. Saying, oh, the Lord wasn't depressed, Pastor Jeff. Oh, yes, he was. Listen to a few of the different Bible translations describing the Lord's state of mind in Gethsemane. Mark 14, 33, one translation says, He, Jesus, began to be deeply distressed and troubled. The Message Bible says, Jesus plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. The Phillips translation, which is a great translation, says Jesus began to be horror-stricken and desperately depressed. That's Jesus. You say, it ain't a sin to be depressed? No. He didn't stay there. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. It's not a sin to struggle against depression. But he experienced that gloom, that heaviness, that depression in the Garden of Gethsemane? Absolutely. Now, the author and finisher of our faith I'm glad to tell you, did not stay there. He did not remain there. He is our model. He is our hero. He is our example on how to come out of depression into joy. So what did he do? Let's look at what Jesus did. How did he model for us coming out of depression? The first thing I noticed, he did not isolate himself. Now, one of the marks of depression is you isolate When you get depressed, you go in some room, you turn off all the lights, you shut the door, you make it clear to everybody around you, don't come in here. You either sit in a chair or you lay down in the bed and there you are for hours on end and you don't come out because you are depressed. And one of the real dangers about that is when you isolate, you're open to all kinds of thoughts that can lead to worse things. So I want you to notice what Jesus, our model, did. Then Jesus, it says in Matthew 26, 36, Jesus went with his disciples with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Now listen to this. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and then he began to be sorrowful and troubled. The operative word there is he took. He intentionally took someone with him into his sorrow. What did he do? He refused to isolate. Our Savior was very wise. He didn't try to win the battle with depression all by himself. Now, we know that it was this intense, that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood as he considered what he was about to encounter. Blood came out of his pores. And I've read stories, medical stories, where this has happened rarely, but has happened in history, and it happened with Jesus. He was under such a heavy weight, such a heavy burden, that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. And he said, I know what's about to happen to me. I'm God. He was never surprised by anything. And since I know what I'm about to experience, I'm taking someone with me. I'm not going to isolate. And sometimes when you know somebody depressed and they're shutting everybody out, sometimes you just need to open the door and say, like it or not, I'm coming in here. You might as well just turn on the light and say hello to me because I'm your friend and I love you enough to sit here with you. And we're going to walk through this together. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Amen. Amen. He let others in, Peter, James, and John, on the sorrow and grief he was experiencing that night, he let friends in. Now, too often, we Christians, we imprison ourselves in isolation because here's what we say. If I say I'm depressed, 
then I'm going to be accused of not having any faith. They're going to say, you don't have any faith. Well, brother, you just need to praise the Lord. Or you just need uh, this, that, or the other. Get out of it. Come on, snap out of it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's not going to help, so I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want anybody thinking less of me. But do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, share each other's burdens. King James says, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you're obeying the law of Christ. It is a law of our Savior to invite others into our burdens and pain. It's the law of Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Peter, James, John, come on, come with me to the garden. So he didn't isolate. I like this next thing. I noticed this. He didn't fake his feelings. He wasn't phony baloney. He wasn't fraudulent when he talked about the way he felt. When you ask Jesus as he was headed in the garden of Gethsemane, hey, how are you, Lord? He didn't say, well, I'm prosperous, blessed, and highly favored. Now, there's nothing wrong with that statement. There's nothing wrong with a good statement of faith. But you know what? Sometimes we need to be real. And people say that to me, and sometimes I want to say, that's just great, good, you're prosperous, and you're highly favored. Now, how do you really feel? Well, that left a holy hush on the congregation. But let me tell you, Jesus told the truth about his feelings. Listen to this. How many people would say this? He told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow. I'm about to die from this sorrow. I am under so much sorrow, it's about to kill me. That sound like a statement of faith to you? No, it was honesty. Honesty with those who knew him. And then he said, you better stay here and keep watch with me because this is heavy. This is strong. I'm really under it. And folks, listen, let me just pull the veil away for a moment. Sometimes we in the church are exactly in this place. We know exactly what this feels like. I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point I feel like I'm going to die. Who can I go to? Who can I tell? I better not tell church folks because they won't think I have any faith. No, you ought to tell church folks because then they can pray for you. Then they can help you. Jesus told the truth about his feelings. Well, I hope that helped you in your own battle with depression or that it gave you some tools to help a loved one in their own struggle. And let me encourage you to take advantage of the helpful resources we offer to better aid you in fighting the good fight. Just go to our website at lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And spend some time looking through our archive of free downloadable podcasts and other helpful tools. We would love to have you visit. And join us next time as we continue with part two of this important message, Disarming the Giant of Depression. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, at Life Talk, we want to stay connected with you and help equip and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. 
If you'd like to receive e-devotionals and ministry updates from me, go online to lifetalkradio.us and sign up to receive this exclusive Lifetalk listener email. When you sign up for the first time, we'll send you a free resource as a thank you for being a devoted Lifetalk listener. So go to lifetalkradio.us and sign up for a free e-devotional today. Disarming the Giant of Depression is final message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.